My name is Callum and welcome to Radio Luftballet, a podcast about the ways in which society is transitioning out of the fossil fuel era. This podcast will be about the need for transition within our transport system here in Europe. I'm going to be talking to you about travel by rail and specifically using the one ticket for all interrail pass as a way to make it easier for us to travel by train within Europe. studying for a master's degree in climate change management in a small town in western Norway called Songdal. Quickly into my study, I began to realise the extent to which my yearly emissions come from flying in aeroplanes. To be honest, I'd not thought about it a huge amount before. I have to admit, I love travelling and I've probably taken at least one flight every year of my life since I was quite a young boy. Some years it's probably a few more than that as well. Since studying the ways in which we as a society can act to reduce our impact on the planet, I've realised that it's vitally important that we who live in well-off countries, like Norway and Scotland, find ways to travel by aeroplanes less, due to how carbon-intensive they are. Although emissions from the air industry pale in comparison to that of, for example, agriculture, you have to remember that these aviation emissions are coming from only a very small sector of the world's population, the very richest one-third. Less than 20% of the world's population has ever flown. Over the coming years, air travel is also set to continue growing as an industry, potentially quadrupling, accounting for 22% of global emissions by 2050. Put simply, Flying is the most carbon-intensive form of transport that only the richest can afford. Living in Norway, there's always people talking about the concept of electric planes and flights running on biofuel and things like that. I think, personally, this is quite a convenient way of getting around the fact that really our society has to change its behaviour in terms of how we travel. question is, how? At the moment, flying is ridiculously cheap and very easy. I can go onto the Ryanair website right now and probably find a 10 euro flight from Oslo to the UK. Of course, at first glance, this is a a brilliantly easy way for us to work in different places and see family whenever we want to. But when we pay for these 10 euro flights, we are saying that it's okay for these companies to keep on making flights cheaper and cheaper and pumping more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. This is something I've had to think about a lot over the last couple of years and try to accept. Quite honestly, a few years ago I was all for cheap air air tickets. But the question is, how do we travel more slowly? I've been taught by lecturers and listened to people at conferences over the last year say that we need to turn to train travel, especially within Europe. But whenever I've heard this, I've thought, well, really? Is it actually realistic for people to spend a considerable amount more money with a considerable amount more hassle going by train compared to the 10 euro Ryanair flight? 
Well, in February, I decided to go back to Scotland to visit family and to do some climbing. So I decided I would look into an interrail ticket as a way to travel back and forth without flying. Interrail is one ticket which can be used on most of Europe's rail system. It's traditionally been used as a way for tourists to travel around different countries in Europe um, in an easy way, being able to stop off at different places. The reason I thought that it could be useful as a way to travel back and forth to Scotland was that it meant that I did not have to worry about booking many different train tickets on different websites and it seemed to work out considerably cheaper than booking everything separately. So I'm sitting here in Oslo train station after my trip and I've come up with some questions which I'm now going to ask myself about using an intro ticket as a way to make flying less more easy. Yeah, one more thing, this podcast will just be me speaking, so I hope you don't get bored too quickly. Question number one. Well, the first question which everyone asks is, how much did it cost? Is it not much more expensive to take the train? Well, it cost me 222 euros for the interrail ticket for seven days of travel within a one month period that was enough to get me back and forth from norway to scotland with one day of travel uh, in between in scotland the interrail website says that you have to reserve seats on quite a few different trains on this journey but i just thought i would wait and see if i really needed to do this and rather than paying the extra price beforehand It actually turned out that on most of the trains, they didn't care that much whether I had the seat reservation. And I think that was because it was low season. However, at one stage, I was asked to pay €30 to reserve a seat after I got onto the high-speed train. Um, But I just got off it and I diverted my route to avoid this particular train. The main problem came when I arrived at the Eurostar train to cross the English Channel into the UK. Here, I knew I would have to pay extra on top of my interrail ticket. That was €30 one way. This is a considerable expense to pay, considering it's only a journey of a few hours, and it increases the price of going by interrail to €280 if you go both ways. I'll talk more about Eurostar later, though, because there was some more problems. Finally, in regards to the cost, if I just take a quick look right now on the Ryanair website, Although initially the flights look very cheap, once I've added on a cabin bag and the onward flight from London to Edinburgh and back, the total for flights comes to €234, and that doesn't include getting to the airport either. So, quickly, these cheap flights don't become ridiculously cheap anymore, especially not compared with the interrail pass anyway. Question number two. How long did it take? Why would I choose to take two days longer to reach my destination? Well, yes, it obviously is a lot slower to travel by train. On the way there, I left my flat in western Norway at 10pm and was in Edinburgh 48 hours later. However, I am currently writing a master thesis and being on the train with Wi-Fi and comfortable seats gave me a very good opportunity to get stuck into some work and also a much needed opportunity to get stuck into some work.
I didn't do as much as I'd hoped, but I was just as productive as if I'd been sitting in the library at home. If I had taken the plane, I would have had to take the night bus from my home uh, as well, so it would have taken me at least a day, and it is much harder to work while standing in long queues for security and being six foot two cramped up on an airplane seat with a laptop. A few years ago, WWF reported that 45% of airplane journeys in Europe are less than 500 kilometres. When a lot of air journeys are that short, I don't think there's a huge difference in time between flying and taking the train. It was a different story on the way home though. While travelling through Germany, the trains began to get delayed and I missed the last connection to Copenhagen when I reached Hamburg. However, I had an interesting night staying in a hotel in Hamburg, courtesy of the German rail company. I went out for a beer and ended up in the same pub as most of the Hamburg shipping workers. I'm pretty sure that if I'd flown, I would never have learned all about the shipping industry within Europe. The next morning, for some reason, the first train to Copenhagen did not show up, so I then missed the connection to Oslo as well. However, once again, the German rail company company paid for a hotel since I had to stay the night. I'm also able to apply for compensation through Interrail because of the considerable, considerable delay. Try doing that with Ryanair. Final question then for myself. So, how can we make it easier to take the train and other slower forms of transport? Well, the concept of Interrail, I think, works quite well as a as a way to to take less trains rather than the original way of just travelling around Europe sightseeing. However, there are major ways in which it could be improved so that it becomes a more realistic option. The first way is to get the rail companies properly on board. When I was travelling, it felt incredibly annoying when I was stopped and asked to pay an extra fee just to be on that train, even though I had an intro pass anyway. I realised that in the busy summer months, it's important to have some kind of reservation system, but on the train that I was stopped and asked to pay an extra seat reservation, it was completely empty. There was no one in the carriage that I was on. So I just wonder why I had to pay that seat reservation. The biggest hiccup in my journey using Interrail was the Eurostar tunnel. I first of all had the issue of having to pay 60 euros extra just to sit on the train, even when half the carriage was empty. The main problem though is that they only have a certain number of seats available to Interrail ticket holders. And once these small number of seats are filled up, they don't allow any more Interrail ticket holders on even if half the train is empty. This happened to me on the return journey. And so at the ticket desk, I simply looked up on my phone whether I could still buy a regular ticket. Hi there. Um, I'm just wondering, would you be able to tell me how many seats are available on the uh, 1258 train to Brussels? And once I saw that there were still plenty of seats left, I just stood in front of the ticket desk until they put me on the train. If I'd not done this, the next available interrail seat was the next day. Now, I realise not, that not everyone, everyone will be this stubborn, and so I think it's important that this issue is sorted out. Again, in the very busy summer months, there should be a limit on how many interrail tickets can book a seat on the train, 
but for the rest of the year this simply seems like a silly rule. Something else I was thinking about is that rail companies, they really need to see that they have a major advantage over the air industry in being able to offer these one tickets which work on many different trains. I think that, and there being more night trains within Europe, is the key to unlocking the potential for society to start ditching the 10 euro Ryanair flights and get on board the train network. However, the power lies with us though, the public. If we want better train services within Europe, people just have to start using them more instead of flying. If the buying of cheap flights continues to increase, there is going to be no political incentive to improve the long-distance train services. I hear there's a lot in Norway, actually, from people that would like to travel to and from Tromsø in the far north of Norway by train instead of flying. At the moment, the train line stops a town further south, and then you have to take a bus. I hear people complain that it seems like the politicians do nothing to improve the situation. But if everyone still continues to take the flights without complaining, why should the politicians do anything? It's up to the people to start taking a stand and reduce the amount they are buying the plane tickets. Then there will be a political incentive to improve the overland travel options. So, that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening. And please let me know in the comments whether I have inspired you or put you off using Interrail as a way to reduce the amount of plane tickets you buy. Thank you for listening.